Well, good afternoon, everybody. Even though it's the last day of the year, the 31st of December, Happy New Year to everybody today. May God give us all a blessed 2018. Yes. And it's always wonderful to get together, to listen to God's Word. To end the year, we're going to have a message here from God's Word. It's from Matthew chapter 3. To get us started, Josiah, would you open us with a word of prayer, please? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for everything you've given to us. Just please bless 2018 as it starts tomorrow. Just keep all of us safe and just please bless us with your Holy Spirit. Please bless us, Lord, to our hearts. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Josiah. The last two weeks we had Christmas messages, and they were both from the book of Matthew. The first one was from chapter 1, and then last week we had a message from chapter 2. When we look at the Bible, the Bible is all about Jesus, the story of Christ, He is God. And when we look at these chapters of the Gospels, they go from Jesus being a little baby born in a manger, and then a child who the wise men came and visited, and King Herod tried to destroy. And now, he's a ready grown man. He's 30 years old, and he's coming onto the scene. He's going to be announced by John the Baptist. So very little is said about Jesus during his life as a young man growing up. Now, the scene is set where John the Baptist was chosen to be the herald, to be the spokesman, to announce Christ coming onto the scene. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. They are on the cover page of your handout, and I'm going to read those. The title for the message today is Repent and Flee from the Wrath to Come. This was the message that John the Baptist spoke. Repent, because there is a wrath that is coming. And when we think about bad hurricanes and bad storms. We always have a forewarning by the newscast, by the weather bureau. For example, earlier this year, there was an exodus out of Florida when the hurricane was coming. So there was a forewarning. But when we think about the anger of a storm, the wrath of the storm, it's temporary. Eventually the storm passes and the people who left that area, they go back and they go home. They might have to repair things, but they can always go back home. We have a warning of God's wrath that's coming, but it's an eternal wrath. It will never end. This is not a storm that you can avoid, that you can get in a car and drive away from. Because this is a wrath that's in the spirit world. We're going to look at this a little bit closer today. Matthew 3.1, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Esaias, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea 
and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. We're going to look at four points today. And the first point is John the Baptist heralded the Messiah, Jesus, and he preached repentance. John the Baptist preached. Why is it significant when somebody preaches? Preaching is about the word of God. And preaching takes you to a decision point. When you hear the word of God preached, God's word speaks to your mind and your soul. And within you, it brings you to decision points. The word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Matthew 3.1 In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. This is approximately 30 years after Jesus' birth. This is when Jesus comes into the time of his public ministry. Now what do we know about John the Baptist? The Bible is actually quite detailed, it gives us a very good biography of John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 1 it says, For he shall be great in the sight of God, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mom's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. This verse is saying that John the Baptist was chosen and he was filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Jesus is the one who saves us. God chooses who will have redemption and eternal life. God chose John the Baptist to be filled with the Holy Ghost, even when he was in his mother's womb. Luke 1, 36-37, speaking of John the Baptist, And behold, thy... Cousin Elizabeth, this is Mary when she went to visit Elizabeth, when Elizabeth was already pregnant. She has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You see, Elizabeth was barren her whole life. She and her husband wanted a child. They really wanted to have a baby but they never had one. 
And now she's old. She's past the age of having a baby. And she becomes pregnant. That's a double miracle. Because she was barren her whole life. And now she's beyond age. And the same thing happened with Sarah in the Old Testament, Abraham's wife. Luke 1, 76 and 77. This is also speaking about John the Baptist. And thou child shall be called the prophet of the highest, the highest being Jesus. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to prepare Jesus' ministry, his three years, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Knowledge of salvation. How do people get saved? They get saved by hearing the word of God. They need to hear the gospel message. The gospel message is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His death because we're all sinners. And the resurrection because he's holy. Only God can come back from the dead after he died on the cross. He had to go to the cross for the remission of sins. Remission means the washing away of the wrath that is due our sins. Romans 1.16. This is why we preach. This is why John the Baptist preached. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. To the Jew first because Jesus came primarily to preach to the Israelites. And then when they rejected him, he blessed the Gentile nation with the gospel. So now either Jew or Gentile can be saved through the power of the word of God. Matthew 3, 2. This is John the Baptist. What did he say? Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven was represented by Jesus. And John the Baptist says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus came to him to be baptized. Jesus didn't need to be saved because he's God. He never sinned. So why did he get baptized? Jesus fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law. Part of that was being baptized. Mark 1.4 John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Do you notice what he's preaching? Not only is the kingdom of heaven at hand, but he's preaching repentance. A repentance is a turning away from your sins. People many times will confess their sins, but they continue in their patterns of sins. True repentance is forsaking that lifestyle of sin. Luke 13, 3. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And this perish is speaking about spiritual death. Many people that live successful lives are great sinners. In order to have eternal life, you need to repent. So there's a difference between a physical life, where all, everybody in this room is alive, and a spiritual life. You can only be saved through repentance and forsaking the lifestyle of sin. 2 Corinthians 7.10 tells us how to repent. 
Godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world works death. When we have a godly sorrow for our sins, that's not a manufactured sorrow because you were caught in your sin. It's a truly a God-given sorrow that you have offended the Mighty One, the Holy One, Christ, that you've sinned against God, you've broken the law and transgressed. God gives you a sorrow for that sin. That sorrow of your sin is the motivation to turn. And do you notice it says not to be repented of? This godly sorrow, when you turn from your sin, that's the moment you're saved. And you cannot lose your salvation. That means you can't repent and turn away from your salvation. Thank you, Lord, that we cannot lose our salvation. Matthew 3, 3. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Esaias, that's Greek for the name Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Why would it say make his paths straight? You see, when you forsake sin, you're giving up the crooked way. And Jesus is the holy way. God has given us a preordained path that is a straight and narrow path. Enter you yet at the straight gate, for straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads unto life. That's a straight, narrow way. And when you make your way straight, when you make your path straight, you're forsaking the sins. You're giving up the sins. And you're no longer in that crooked way. Isaiah 43. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This verse adds it's a desert. When we're living in lifestyle of sin, in the spirit world, we're in a desert. When you travel through the desert, there's very little life. When we're in a desert of sin, there's very little life. But when we come into the kingdom, God is life. He's the bread of life. And there's much fruit to be enjoyed from the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all that mourn. This is a beautiful verse because it says it binds up those that are broken and it saves us from the vengeance of our God. God is the one who exacts vengeance upon the sinner. And it says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we need to repent. God is a consuming fire because of his holiness. Jeremiah 6.10, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. The world out there that is following Satan, they may not overtly say, yes, I'm following Satan, but if they're not following the Lord, 
They're following the ways of the world, and the ways of the world are satanic. God came to speak and give a warning. That's what this verse in Jeremiah is saying. There is a warning against death, hell, and destruction. And the warning is through the gospel of Christ. Jesus loves us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for us sinners so that we don't have to go into the lake of fire after the great white throne judgment. Luke 3, 5 and 6. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways shall be made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is speaking of in the spirit world, when we get saved, all of those sin patterns are made smooth, but it also speaks of Jesus' second coming. And it says, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Lord will come back again, and everybody will see him. Everybody will be judged, either at the Bema seat or the great white throne judgment. And it also says every one will see the salvation. The Bible teaches us the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So when it makes that appearance, that individual soul sees what salvation is about. And again, the word of God will bring that individual soul to a decision point. Will I receive Jesus as my Lord and my God and my Savior, or will I reject him? As the word says, the word will become a, a reproach. They will disrespect it. They will step upon it. They will trample upon the blood of the covenant, and they will have no delight in it. Matthew 3, 4. The same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. How many of us want to sign up for this lifestyle? It sounds like his clothes were itchy. And it says here, he ate locusts and wild honey. How many of us have caught grasshoppers when we were little kids? Josiah and Justice, in the front yard, right? Did you ever think about eating those? No, I haven't either. But you know, God allows it. Let's look at Leviticus 11.22. Even these of them ye may eat. Not if you have, you don't have to eat it, but if you want to eat it, you may eat the locust after his kind, and the bald locust after his kind, and the beetle after his kind, and the grasshopper after his kind. So just in case you're in the mood, folks, feel free to go eat those grasshoppers. It's okay with the Lord. Deuteronomy 32, 12. So the Lord alone did lead him. This is John the Baptist. And there was no strange God with him. When we look at that word strange God, you notice it's a little G God? That's an idol. Many of us have idols in our life. John the Baptist had no idol in his life, no strange God, because he was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Luke 1.80, this is speaking specifically of John the Baptist. And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. This young man, John the Baptist, he's six months older than Christ. 
So at this point, he's 30 years and six months old. He grew up in the wilderness. So he was of a rough character. So who was he talking to every day? He didn't have friends out there. He was communing with God every day. This man was strong in the spirit. Point number two, preaching God's word generates spiritual revival. A spiritual revival is when the spirit touches you and you realize how unclean you are before God. Matthew 3, 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. If you look on a map of Israel, this would be Jerusalem east about 20 miles and you hit the Jordan River and he preached even farther east and then Jordan River dumps into the Dead Sea. So he preached around that area. And Judea is south. The mountains of Judea are south of Jerusalem. This was all of his area. It's a vast area. Having grown up there and lived there and walked through that area for 20 years, John the Baptist knew this area like the back of his hand. And then he went to the Jordan River, and this is where he preached and he baptized. Luke 1.17, speaking of John the Baptist, he shall go before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elias, Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The purpose of John the Baptist was to preach and to make these people ready for the word of God when Jesus came onto the scene. Luke 3.3, 3, And he came into all the country about Jordan, this is John the Baptist, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. The consistent theme that John the Baptist preached was repentance. Luke 7, 26 and 27. This is Jesus speaking about John the Baptist. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. And then Jesus says in the next verse about John the Baptist, For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, how many billions of babies that have been born of women since the world began? Jesus said about John the Baptist, There is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. What an amazing statement. But then look at how Jesus ends that verse. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Once you're saved, you come into the kingdom of God. Once you're in the kingdom, you're a child of God. And see, John the Baptist was a great man filled with the Holy Ghost, but he was still human flesh. Once you die as a child of God, you have a glorified body and you can no longer sin. Until our death, as a Christian, we're still susceptible to sin. But Jesus says, once you die and have your glorified body, you're greater than even John the Baptist, who was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. That's an amazing statement. John 3, 6. This is speaking about the Israelites. And were baptized of John in the Jordan, confessing their sins. These people came 
and confess their need for a Savior, that they realize their sin in their life. Mark 1.4, John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Again, he's preaching and preaching. How many verses tell what he's preaching? He's preaching repentance. Do we hear that message in America today? Very, very seldom. Do we hear that message in the worldwide ministries of missions today? Yes, but it's a very muted voice. This was the number one message John preached. Repent. And in fact, that's the first verse that Jesus said. He said repent. We need to repent to be saved. Repentance and grace are inseparable. They happen at the same time. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that faith, that seed of faith, comes through grace. Repentance, that godly sorrow that you need to repent, comes from God's grace. Mark 1, 5. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So now we see where John is baptizing. He's baptizing in the river Jordan. 1 John 1, 9. This is for everybody in the room. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Point number three this morning. The gospel warns of God's wrath and punishment for unrepentant sinners. Most people will go into the lake of fire. Most people reject God's word. Broad is the way that leads unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the way, and narrow is the gate that leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew 3, 7. So now, the setting for this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they come out of Jerusalem in all of their pomp, and they want to visit. They've heard about John the Baptist, and they want to see with their own eyes and listen with their own ears his message, this prophet. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That's not a very ingratiating way to, to say hello to somebody, you generation of vipers. But John the Baptist was being true. Remember, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Sadducees, they didn't believe in eternal life. They didn't believe in life after death. They didn't believe that you had a soul. The Pharisees, they believed in, in eternal life. They believed in a soul and afterlife. But they believed you got into heaven through works. So neither one of these groups, the Pharisees or the Sadducees, they were believing in eternal life through faith. They didn't believe in eternal life through repentance from your sins. Matthew 23, 27, and 28. This is Jesus speaking directly to the Pharisees. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are like unto whited sepulchers. A sepulcher is an above-ground burial spot. People that were rich would have a sepulcher. And they would put ornaments on the outside. And they would paint them white. 
and they look beautiful. But guess what? Inside is just dead man's bones. And Jesus is saying to them, you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Iniquity is sin. Jesus was calling them out. Matthew 23, 33. This is Jesus in that same chapter speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? He's looking right at them and saying, asking them the question, how can you escape hell with your lifestyle? You whited sepulchers, you vipers. Vipers are very deadly snakes. You get a bite and you're likely going to die. Matthew 12, 34. This is Jesus again. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we talk to people, if we spend enough time with them, let's say talking with them a half hour, 45 minutes, eventually you're going to find out about them, right? Because what they talk about is what's near and dear to them. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Jesus said these people were hypocrites and whited sepulchers. They were vipers. They were deadly to other people. Romans 2.5 But after the hardness and the impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness, judgment of God. Jesus is saying that during your lifestyle, if you reject the holy word of God and you do not get saved, every sin has a penalty price tied to it. And during our lifetime, we commit millions of sins. Every one of those sins has a price. And the price is the wrath of God. And he's saying they're reaping up wrath. They're piling up wrath against the day of wrath, the great white throne. And who can stand that day? No one. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. How are we as Christians saved from God's wrath? Because the wrath will come. That hurricane of God's anger is on the horizon. And there's nothing that can stop it from coming. And once it hits, if you're in the middle of that wrath, you cannot escape the wrath, except through the blood of Christ. And to wait for his son from heaven, he's coming again with the wrath, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus. He's the one who can deliver us from the wrath. Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, by Jesus' blood, by his atonement, by his righteousness, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. The only way we can be saved from the wrath of God is through the blood of Christ and receiving him as Lord, God, and Savior. Matthew 3, 8. Bring forth, therefore, fruits 
meet for repentance. The Bible is very consistent. You cannot say you're a Christian and that you think you're on your way to heaven and have fruits of evil. You will know them by their fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, neither can a bad tree bear good fruit. You will know them by your fruits. And here John the Baptist is saying, bring forth fruits, meat. Meat means appropriate, that reflect, that evidence your repentance. Because if you just say you're saved and you don't have fruits, you don't have works that show it, you're not saved. Now, you don't get saved by works, not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of his blood and the regeneration of the Holy Ghost, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Eternal life comes from the Holy Ghost. But you will know them by their fruits, and a true Christian will have evidence of works in his life. Matthew 7.16, this is clear. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Josiah and Justice, we have a, a fig bush in the front yard, and there's no thistles on that bush. Have you ever seen a thistle on the, on the fig bush? No, they don't grow. Because the, the thistle represents the sin, the lost nature of the sinner who's on his way to hell. And the fig represents the saved Christian. They don't go together. John 15, 5. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can bring forth nothing. How many of you have had melons, vines in your yard, in your garden? Like watermelons or, for that matter, cucumbers, right? There's the main vine. And then there's little branches where the watermelon will grow off of. Or the cucumber will grow off of. If you clip that little vine, the cucumber will die or the watermelon will die. It needs that main vine to feed it, right? To grow it. Jesus is that main vine. We are the branches. Now, how many of us have fruit at the end of the branch? Okay? That's proof that you're saved. Because if you don't have fruit, then your vine is not connected to the branch. Do you follow that little analogy that Jesus gives from his word? It's very clear. All of them back then when he was preaching, they knew what the vine was and they knew what the branch was because most of them were farmers. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Here's very specific fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. If you have these fruits evident in your life, that's proof that you're saved. If you find it hard to love people, if you're always grouchy and no joy, and you're angry at all the time, you need to check and see if you're saved. Because a Christian, that shouldn't be their attitude in life. All right, our, our final point today. Self-deception ends in spiritual ruin and eternal destruction in hell. Most people that go to hell, they are self-deceived. They say, you know what, I'm a good person. God's not going to send me to hell. I got saved when I was 15. Yeah, look, I wrote it in the back of my Bible. You know what, I've gone to church every week for the last 20 years. I gift money to the Salvation Army at Christmas time. Those are all works. 
And if you rely on that to go to heaven, you're self-deceived. And you're going to end up in spiritual ruin. Let's look at the verses. Matthew 3, 9. This is John the Baptist saying now specifically to those Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Remember the setting? He's in the River Jordan. There's a lot of rocks on the shore of the Jordan. And he's pointing to the rocks. And he says, you Sadducees and you Pharisees, you think because you're Abraham's child, Abraham's generation all the way down, 1,800 years, just because you're Abraham's child, you think you're going to heaven? No. God can make these stones into Abraham's seed. That's not what's going to get you to heaven. Heritage does not get you to heaven. Being born into a family doesn't get you into heaven. Faith gets you into heaven. Repentance gets you into heaven. We have an example from the Old Testament, Esther. Remember, Esther became the queen. Mordecai, her uncle, is speaking to her. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not within yourself that you shall escape the king's house more than all the Jews. See, Haman had got the king to sign this document that said all the Jews had to be killed on a day certain. And the queen, Esther, was a Jew. And she was thinking, well, I'm the king's wife. He's not going to kill me. And Mordecai is saying, just because you're the king's wife, you're still a Jew. Just because you're the king's wife is not going to exempt you from the punishment that Haman wants to wreak on all the Jewish nation. The same thing goes in the spirit world. Just because they were Jews, that doesn't mean they could escape the punishment of hell. And that's the message that John the Baptist is trying to make clear to them. John 8, 39 and 40. Then answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Again, Jesus is speaking with these Jewish leaders. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. A man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. I'm telling you the truth and you want to kill me. I told Abraham, by the way, that got them angry when he says I, I was speaking to Abraham, because again, he's saying he's God. Only God could speak to a man who lived 1,800 years before. And they're saying they want to kill him. And Jesus is looking right at them and he said, you know, Abraham never wanted to kill me. Are you really his children? Galatians 3.29. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, everybody who goes to heaven comes out of the seed of Abraham. But that represents both Jews and Gentiles because it's no longer in the physical world. See, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were physically the seed of Abraham. But God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, is a spiritual kingdom. Abraham's the seed, first seed of the spiritual kingdom of God. And if we're a child of Abraham in the spirit world, then we can go to heaven. These Sadducees and the Pharisees, they were physical seed. They were not in the kingdom. And Jesus is trying to make this clear to them. Again, I'll read that. Galatians 3.29. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. 
Christ in the spirit world, and heirs according to the promise. Matthew 3.10. Again, John the Baptist speaking to these Sadducees and the Pharisees. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Josiah and Justice, remember two years ago in the summer, all those fruit trees? We got out the axe and we chopped down those trees. And what did we do? We burned them. We started a bonfire in the backyard and we burned them up. Why? They, were, they weren't bearing any fruit. They were kind of useless. They're cumbering the ground for naught. And we just dug them up, put them on a bonfire, and burned them up. God is using that example here. Every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. The fire is hell. Isaiah 27, 11. When the bows thereof are withered, they shall be broken off, and women come and set them on fire. For it is a people of no understanding. Therefore he has made them will not have mercy on them, and he that formed them will show them no favor. In my front yard I have some bushes, and once a year or so, the bushes will have stems that grow up and they turn black, just because the bushes are getting old. I go and I break them off or I snip them off, and I throw them again on the bonfire in the backyard. This is what the verse is saying. There are women that gather these dead bows off of the trees and off the plants, and they burn them. And God is using that as an example. He's saying, therefore, he that made them, that's God, God made all of us, will not have mercy on them. He will not have mercy. Do you see that in that verse? And he that formed them, all, God made all things, he that formed them will show them no favor. These men were Jews. God made them, but he, they will have no favor on the judgment day. They will be thrown into the fire. Hebrews 6, 8. For that which bears thorns and briars, the thorns and the briars represent the sins. That which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. God will curse those people with eternal destruction in the lake of fire. Let's look at the last page. Revelation 20, 15. And this is at the great white throne. This is two chapters before the Bible is closed in Revelation. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the book of life? If it's not, when you die, you will go into the lake of fire. Matthew 3.11. This is John the Baptist speaking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me, Jesus, is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. See, John the Baptist was baptizing with water. He would immerse them in the waters of the River Jordan, and they would come out, and that would be representative of the washing away of their sins and the new life that we have when we get saved. We become a new creature in Christ. And this verse is saying that the one who comes after John, Jesus, will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Do you know when you get saved, 
your body becomes a temple of the Holy Ghost, you are now baptized, not with water, but in the spirit world with the Holy Spirit. You now are indwelled with God. And that's the power of God. Remember, he's a consuming fire. And now you have just been baptized with the Holy Ghost and with his fire, with his power. You now have the ability to preach and to teach. Use that power. There are so many people right here in Lynchburg who are lost and on their way to hell. We can pray for them and we can talk to them. We can witness to them. We can hand out a track. There are so many things we can do because you have the power of God residing in you. That's awesome. Proverbs 1, 2, 3. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit onto you. I will make known my words unto you. Do you know that sometimes when you're talking to somebody and you really don't know what to say, just quietly say in your mind, Lord, give me the words. He will tell you, put on your tongue what to speak. Because that's a promise in the Bible. Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour out water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit onto thy seed and my blessing onto thine offspring. We become the seed of Christ. We become a child of God. We become adopted into the family. We become a joint heir. We can call Father Abba once we're saved. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. This is Jesus speaking before he dies, before he goes to the cross. And he says, after I die, after I'm resurrected, after I walk on the earth for 40 days, after I send into heaven, I will send the comforter. The comforter will come. The comforter is the Holy Ghost. Acts 1.5 For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Not too many days now, the Holy Ghost is going to come. This is Jesus speaking right before he sends into heaven. And the Holy Ghost did come on Pentecost and descended as a flame of fire and the room was filled with his powerful wind. Matthew 3.12 Whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John the Baptist was a fire and hellstone preacher. He preached hell. And he's saying now, you all have a garner. You all take your wheat in because you all make your bread. That wheat had to be separated from the chaff. None of you kept that chaff. You burned it up. And he's using this as, as an example. He's saying at the judgment day, God is going to separate the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats. And the chaff is going to be burned with what? Unquenchable fire. Hell fire will never go up. The lake of fire will never be consumed. Never, ever. Isaiah 5.24 Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, 
and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. They have cast away the law, the Ten Commandments, and they despise the word of the Holy One, Jesus. Many people today in America, they think they're going to heaven and they can have their favorite sins. They can be liars. They can be fornicators. They can be adulterers. They can be stealers. They can be blasphemers of God's holy word, his name. They can take it in vain and they don't give it a second thought. Those people are not going to heaven. They're on their way to hell. They have deceived themselves. Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. And you know what? His commandments aren't burdensome. If we love God, his commandments are making our life more easy. You know, if somebody were committing adultery and they were married, wouldn't that be difficult to keep that a secret? That would be a burdensome sin. But God says, my yoke is light. If we keep his commandments, our life becomes so easy to live. He doesn't want us to have all these burdens on us. Malachi 3.2 But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and the fuller's soap. A refiner's fire is you take that gold and you melt it down and you wash away the drudge. Then you refine it again and you refine it again. And every time you refine it, you clear away the bad ore. And at the end of that process, you've got pure gold. And God says, if you're a child of God, he purifies your life by putting you into the test chamber. And he's getting away, he's pushing away the sin out of your life. Malachi 4.1 For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven. Did any of you ever stick your hand in an oven that was hot? Actually, last night, I made some brownies. I noticed, Justice, you, you actually got a good chunk of those eight this morning when I looked at the pan. But when I took those brownies out of the oven, my hand got a little bit burned. An oven is hot. And we only had the temperature, what, Josiah, you turned it up to 355, right? That's not that hot. Imagine an oven that's thousands of degrees. The center of the earth is thousands of degrees hot. And this verse says, For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. That stubble is going to burn up. And the day that comes shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Remember, Jesus is the root. He's the creator. And the branch are the saved that are on the true vine. These people who go into the oven, who go into hellfire, who go into the lake of fire, they have neither root, they're not in the Father, they're not saved, they're not adopted in the family, nor the branch of salvation. The word is so clear who goes into hell. Matthew 11.30 Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, that's the judgment seat, I will say to the reapers, those are the angels, gather you first the tares. So that it seems to be that the great white throne judgment will be before 
the Bema Seat judgment because he says, I will say to the reapers, gather you first the tares. The tares are the lost. The tares are the goats. The tares are the people who rejected salvation. The tares are the people going to hell. Gather you first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. The barn is heaven. The wheat, the saved, the children of God, the sheep will go into heaven. Matthew 13, 40. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. This will happen right before God destroys this heaven and this earth and creates a new heaven and a new earth. Mark 9.48 Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. The worms are going to go in and out of their body for eternity where the worm dieth not. And that hell fire in the lake of fire because death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. It's forever. The fire is not quenched. The word of God is so clear on this topic. Why is it repeated so often? Because hell is real. And people don't believe that. And God, we call him Savior because he saves us from hell. He saves us from the wrath that's coming when Jesus comes back. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The people out there in the world today, they take the word of God and they go, oh, that's unrighteous. I don't need to believe that. Hell is mean. God would never do that to me. No. God is saying after verse, after verse, after verse, hellfire is unquenchable. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. This is the last verse for today. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Do you know God today? Knowing him as in a personal relationship? Do you know God today? And that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who goes to hell? People who don't obey the gospel. Who don't keep his commandments. Who don't love Christ. They go to hell. Who shall be punished? Look at this again. With everlasting destruction. It's everlasting destruction. You're never burned up. You're never consumed. The worm dies not. And they're from the presence of the Lord. And from the glory of his power. In the lake of fire, there's no presence of God. And there's no glory. There's no power of God. There's no light. It's all evil and blackness and darkness. Who wants to go there? Really, who wants to go there? There's a lost world, people. we got to tell them the gospel. Let's make that a New Year's resolution. I know everybody's going to have New Year's resolutions, right? Because tomorrow's the New Year. It's 2018. Let's resolve to share the gospel in 2018. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. It's so clear. And Lord, it is powerful and it can cut to the quick of the people who hear it. And Lord, give us opportunities. People that want to hear the word, that are searching, that know their life is empty and incomplete and something that is missing is you, God. And let us talk to these souls through the power of your word. And Lord, let us see souls saved in 2018. And it's for your glory, for your kingdom. 
for your honor because you're holy God. And Jesus, we love you. Thank you for going to the cross. Father, for sending your son and Holy Spirit for being with us here. And Lord, we ask that you keep a hedge about everybody in this room, a hedge around our spiritual soul that the evil one cannot get in and tempt us. And also physically, there are many senior saints in this room. Protect them, their physical bodies. I think of my parents. They're in their mid-80s now. Lord, they're in Wisconsin. It's cold. Don't let them slip on any ice or have, a, have an accident in the cold weather. And we ask all of these things in your name, Jesus, the name above all names. We love you, God. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.